Welcome to the Insurance House Podcast. Introducing your host, Mike Fusco. Our team enjoys speaking to risk management and insurance professionals across the country. We will bring our audience unique insights on all things insurance. We look forward to delivering excellent information to our audience. Whether you're an insurance professional, a client, a partner, or someone breaking into the industry, we're glad you joined, and we hope to bring the best content to you. This is the Insurance House Podcast. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining Ray and I on another segment of the Insurance House. Uh, we're hoping you have a nice holiday season so far, that you're staying safe and healthy. And we have a real special guest on the show today, and we're real happy to uh, to welcome him. Yeah. Ray, what do you think of today's guest? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to have him on. I've been uh, trying to get him on for a bit here, um, and I'm glad he finally made the time, uh, especially during the fourth quarter of all times. So I'm really grateful. Uh, his name's Jason Youngs of One Source Stop Loss Insurance Marketing, and can't wait to have him on. Yeah, and uh, Ray, tell us, uh, you know, for for the for the employers and the and the people that are watching, uh, whether you're an insurance broker and you watch our show or you're a client of ours or you have an employer group, what does what could self funding do for an employer offering benefits to their their, their team? Well, a self funding program basically number one, it's meant to give you a multi-year strategy on your medical insurance offering. Uh, many times uh, as a broker, you run into where on a fully insured product, meaning your typical product you buy from an insurance carrier where you're making these one-year decisions. Um, I'm, a grit, I'm a huge fan of self-funding from the standpoint of it just gives, you, gives an employer and a broker the ability to offer a multi-year strategy and not and 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 but a strategy based on data and not just taking a wild guess as to what might happen mm-hmm. in the next year because again it gives it gives an employer and a broker a lot of control uh on the data cash flow um and transparency uh is huge now when you say data the people are probably wondering, well, what type of data are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I get so, t- no, no. I, get mean, t- I can't tie it up in my insurance speak. So here uh, the data. And what yeah, does that mean? Yeah, data is basically the uh, claims utilization you get to you get to see um, on a self-funded uh, platform. And, you know, self-funded, if you have a, a benefits program that's built on a self-funded chassis, so to speak, um, you get to see the utilization, obviously keeping HIPAA privacy mm-hmm. in mind, of course. Um but you get to see exactly what's coming in, what what, what claims are being paid, uh, what types of uh, how the the benefits being used, etc. And you can make basically make uh, in, insightful decisions uh, year after year based on that data. Where on a traditional fully insured platform, you just don't have that. You don't get access to that, and so you're kind of guess, it's a guessing game when you're on a fully insured. Yep. Now, what type of um... What what are we going to talk to Jason about? What's he going to? How is he going to help our audience understand this better? No, that's today? a great question. Yeah. So Jason uh, Youngs, he's like I said, he's the president of Stop Loss uh, Insurance Marketing. Uh, great, uh, lots of knowledge in that industry. Of course, uh, what he does is, I would say he's like uh, he's a broker's broker. He basically for brokers who need 
um, we go to him to build these self-funded or partially self-funded packages for him. So he basically has in um, knows all the players in the market. To put it simply, of you know your uh, your uh, pharmacy benefits managers, your networks, your TPAs, and he gathers these uh, components to bring a, a package together. So you can present to your clients. And so right. he's a wealth of knowledge. But not only putting it in the package, but he also takes – he puts it together based on the empirical data out on a national level of what works and what doesn't work. So as the, his company name dictates, he's a, he's a one source for everything you need to put together a self-funded plan oh, for your client. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He's a great resource. Yep. So thank you, everyone, for joining. We're going to uh, – be back here in a minute to introduce Jason and speak to him about this excellent resource for your for your clients and your employer groups. Stay tuned. Thanks again for joining Ray and I on uh, the Insurance House. Jason Youngs is going to join us here in just a minute. And, uh, you know, Ray, I've been in some benefits meetings with you when you kind of explain to your your client what what a self funded plan could do for them different than a, a fully funded plan yeah but in layman's terms why would you do, why would you bring a self funded option to your clientele um, what are you doing to, why why do you think it's better it's good for for employers to offer in certain certain situations cash flow uh, yeah. to assist them with their bottom line. Save uh, at the end of the day, it's cost. It's a cost management piece. It's a cost management strategy. Number one, um, all the bells and whistles wrapped around with self-funded product transparency, the claims utilization you get to see because of that transparency all assist in helping the employer and the broker cultivate a program to help their bottom line and have a multi-year strategy. Excellent. So thank you guys again for joining. We're going to be back here in just a second and Jason's going to join us. Okay. Thank you everyone again for joining Ray and I on another segment of the insurance house. Ray, how's it going today? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Very well. We're, we're thrilled to have Jason Youngs today. Uh, he's a self-funded insurance expert and he's the president of one source stop loss insurance marketing. Jason, th thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Ah, glad to be here. Appreciate it guys. Yeah. Before we get started, if you can give us a little info, give our audience a little info on your background, you know, maybe where you're from, where you studied and how you got involved in your industry. That'd be great. Yeah. So I, uh, like a lot of fellow insurance folks actually grew up in the business with a mom and dad who are both insurance brokers. So I got, uh, the industry at a very early age to say the least. And after I graduated from college in 2005, I got right into the self-funded arena went to work for the company I'm the president of now, One Source Stop Loss Insurance Marketing, and basically have now been helping employers and their brokers develop stop loss and self-funded solutions for the past 15 years now. Great. Perfect, man. Appreciate that. Um, so I mean, for, for the audience, the questions that we're going to talk about, it's basically kind of breaking it down and pulling back the layers from a really, simpl from a really simplistic approach here. So... Jason, I've known you for years, known you from other agencies I've been with. Um, so first off, what is self-funding? 
Can you describe so, that for us? Yeah. So um, great question. And uh, as you can imagine, being in a somewhat niche industry, when I try to describe to friends, for instance, who aren't in this industry and you say something like self-funding, it kind of sounds shady or like you're buying some stereo equipment out of the back of somebody's car. And really all we're talking about doing is basically helping employers take the position of the insurance company. So everyone knows how the fully insured market works. You pay a premium to the insurance company, employees and their, de their dependents go to the doctors, they seek service, and the insurance company covers all of those costs. If your employees use more money, then what the insurance collected from you in premium, that's on them. If the employees use less in medical care than what the insurance company kept in premium, then of course the insurance company keeps that profit. So in the world of self-funding, what we're talking about doing is instead of writing a check to a fully insured company every month, we basically want you to write that check to yourself, put it in your own bank account, and then through a series of integrated vendors and cost containment programs, we'll pay the employees medical and RX claims as they're incurred and really kind of help the employer um, recognize the risk reward position that the fully insured carrier had previously had. Perfect. Yeah. And in the market, uh, it's like as self-funding has, I mean, means a lot of things in the market. Uh, I know there's different types of strategies as brokers we implement to help manage costs for employers. I mean, I use quite a bit the health re uh, uh, health uh, reimbursement arrangements. HRAs is a popular one where you can layer that on top of uh, a fully insured program. Uh, another one is a synonymous market where groups are trying to dip their toe, I guess, into self-funding, which is level funding, which is kind of safe, a safe landing spot for them. But what we're talking about here is a full-fledged uh, self-funded program. And that's what basically what you put together. So can you tell us like, what are the components of a self-funded program? Yeah. So maybe kind of first just to address self-funding and, and the vocabulary, if you will. Sure. So a lot of times when I talk to brokers or groups, like you mentioned, Ray, they'll say, well, I'm already self-funded. And what you find out is that they've purchased a major medical fully insured policy, but perhaps they've self-funded an underlying HRA. And so when I talk to those employers, it's about helping them recognize we're talking about self-funding the major medical portion of your, of your benefits. Um, so what we want to do when we're doing that is we want to go out and find basically someone to pay the claims. We want to find a network of doctors for our employees to access. And then what we want to do is kind of put a, uh, a label, if you will, across the whole thing so that if I, as an employee on the health plan, am going to the doctor, it's not, well, who pays the claim? Who's my network? Um, who do I call for this? We want it to kind of look and feel exactly like how a fully insured product does at the member level. And so working with the broker team ahead of time, we'll pick all the pieces out, create your own insurance company, if you will, and then have them run a, a turnkey lookalike, if you will. Um, one thing that's out there, too, is that when we say self-funding, um, some people say self-insuring. These are two totally interchangeable terms. Yeah. And technically, anyone could self-fund today, right? Which is, you work for me, I could say I'm self-funded, you go to the doctor, I'll pay your medical claims. That, of course, creates a lot of consternation on my end as a risk guy, <laughs> because if I'm self-funded, I'm going to be concerned about, well, what happens if someone has a premature baby and it ends up costing a million bucks or a cancer yeah. treatment that's 200000 
And that's where this term partial gets added to it. So you'll hear partially self-funded or partially self-insured, again, totally interchangeable terms. And this is where uh, the most self-funding is done, which is a corporation will assume most of the risk, the partial, and then lay off anything catastrophic to like a stop loss company or yeah. a capital style arrangement. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. That's a great information, especially for uh, business owners and corporations, companies out there that don't really understand. Jason, you mentioned this a little bit, you kind of touched on it, but I want to bring it back is what are the advantages of self-funding over self-insuring? And secondly, when should a business consider self-funding? So the first thing that I like and I, when we're comparing self-funding versus fully insured is total control of the plan design. So if you're in the fully insured environment, those benefits are created by the insurance companies and they're filed within each state that that product is sold within. If Ray, for instance, was working with an employer group and wanted to tweak the benefits, he's going to have his hands tied most of the time when working with a fully insured product as far as customizing the benefit design. In the self-funded world, while you have to be cognizant of you know, the domino effect of changing benefits, you have unlimited flexibility in doing so. So if you decided that at time of renewal, there was a particular benefit that was really important to your employee population and wanted to include it, you can make that kind of tweak. Uh, if you were maybe tracking your claims data and found out that you had a high prevalence of diabetics, let's say, within your population, you can make on-the-fly decisions to maybe give away the diabetic maintenance medication, knowing that you would avoid high-end costs on the back end when they seek care in the emergency room. Um, so the first thing that I really like is the control of the benefit design. The second thing that we love is the cash flow. So the cash flow in a fully insured environment works pretty simply. How many employees do you have? Multiply it by how many are on the plan for the month and write that big check and send it off to the insurance company. In the self-funded world, you're going to pay a very small amount per employee per month to basically have the plan set up. So that's having the claims administrator, the PPO network, all that stuff I talked about. And then you're only paying medical claims should they actually seek care. So if I'm a company and I hired 100 employees, let's say three months into the year, if I was fully insured, I would write a check for the entire amount of those 100 employees as soon as they became benefit eligible. In the self-funded world, I'm going to write a very small check for my self-funded plan, but more than likely, I'm not going to have any claims due because they were just hired. It's going to take time for them to get their ID cards and subsequently seek care. So it puts that uh, cash flow benefit right back in the employer's pocket. The third thing that I like the most about self-funding is the claims data that you get. Depending what size group you are, what insurance product, what state you're buying that insurance product in, you're probably getting very limited claims data with regards to how your fully insured plan is running. So when a broker shows up at time of renewal and they say, we've gotten a 10% increase from the insurance carrier this year, trust me, or I've got some very skewed limited data that shows you why you should get that 10% renewal, it puts you in a really cruddy position as the employer to basically have to trust the insurance company's data skewed in all over the board. Ray can tell you about this just as much as I can. In the self-funded world, there's no running. You can slice and dice as much data as you like. You can find out what the specific cost drivers are so that at time of renewal, perhaps a 10% increase was warranted. 
is no longer now trusting a fully insured company. You're able to dive in, look at what you spent and make an appropriate adjustment. Yeah, definitely. That transparency factor is a definitely huge benefit to employers. Uh, you spoke to it earlier where being, being able to identify certain things that resonate within that claims utilization and then making adjustments going forward, which allows from a broker standpoint, it just allows you to create a multi-year uh, plan option for them versus just going year by year, which a lot, which will a lot of brokers do out there in the market. Exactly. It, it moves us into a monthly um, management track, if you will, of the self-funded plan versus showing up once a year, talking about what happened and how do we plan for next year. In the self-funded world, you're sitting down with your employer group monthly or quarterly saying, this is how the claims are performing. So everyone's going to see the peaks and valleys of the claims. And if there's a peak and you've done a good job of explaining it to the employer, they can prepare for that you know, eventual cash need that's going to be there. If there's a valley, which means the plan's running yeah. really well, then the employer's going to recognize the savings that they've achieved versus what they would have spent in the fully insured environment. I'm going to jump in here because I've been yeah. in meetings with Ray and, uh, you know, with, regarding self-funded plans. Sure. So I'm going to ask Jason and Ray, both of you guys, this question, because I know our clients have asked you this. What are the downsides to self-funding? I'll let the, I'm going to put you guys on the spot yeah. a little bit here. What are the downsides? Of okay. So, so the downsides are this. You're, you're purchasing a fully insured product today. And you're basically saying, I want the profit position that the fully insured carrier has taken or has assumed on, on my company for a long time. In order to do that in the self-funded environment, most of the time, you have to be willing to risk a little bit more than what you're paying in fully insured in order to recognize the upside of the profitable years. So the downside risk is that occasionally you may end up with one of the groups or you may be the group that had that poor year in the very first time they went self-funded. Um, groups in general, and this applies to fully insured, mm -hmm. the idea is that five of every seven years you're going to make money. So if you're going to self-fund, you have to recognize you need to be able to stay on the ride long enough to basically recognize the, the reward there. However, there is some downside liability in the terms of claims may come in above expected. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I agree 100% with that. I mean, I was when I talk to employers, usually I use the five year reference. Like, out of every five years, you have one bad year. And so you have to basically account for that, account for uh, as far as the money you're saving on, on that from year after year on those four years that stash that away so that you can make up the difference for that one bad year. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, once you, if, if you're on top, of it with your client, the claims utilization on a quarterly basis, and you're setting the proper expectations of your client, at the end of the day, you should be able to shield them, especially if you also uh, put a stop loss behind their claims that they're paying into. And it, it functions no different. And, and in many, obviously, from the benefits that we spoke, you just spoke of, much better than a fully insured product. Yeah. Because you're always going to put a stop loss right behind them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and not to blow past it, the, this element of it either, guys, sure. but it's going to require a little more work than the, than the fully insured environment. Oh, for yeah. Sure. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. 
Um, yeah. both on the broker and employer level. There are a ton of great tools out there that integrate it and make it easier as the employer to manage it, but it's not going to be as cut and dry as that fully insured product they've been used to. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's uh, that's the whole attraction of the full, of the fully insured product. It's, it's a turnkey solution where mm-hmm. they don't have to think about it. Just pay your premium, call it a day, which I mean, uh, but then a day as a broker, we have to do what's best for the clients. And that means being able to not only bring forth options out there that make business sense and make sense of the bottom line, but I mean, do uh, put them in a position and to educate them. So my standpoint is, even if I presented a self-funded option to a client, maybe year one, year two, they, they don't go for it, but at least I'm educating them and making them aware. Because again, at the end of the day, that's our job is to educate Absolutely. These, these employers. So I have to ask, oh, I'm sorry, Jason, you go ahead. I was going to just say one thing on the transition is that for groups coming out of fully insured every year, they're going to basically benchmark what they spend in fully insured versus what worst case is in self-funded. So maybe when they go to check self-funding out for the first time, they have to risk twice what they were paying before. Not a good option, but they're going to keep checking every single year until this Delta basically becomes something manageable enough for them to make the transition to self-funding. And let's talk a little bit about the compliance obligations for employers who are offering a self-funded program. Um, and fully insured, obviously, we, we do understand there's uh, many uh, regulations, especially in that small group market, under 100 market. Um, I know that there's, from a self-funded contract, uh, that selecting that platform, that funding platform, it does remove some of those obligations. But nonetheless, there's still quite a few they have to be cognizant of. Can you chime in on that? And I also want to ask, is it different in California than other states? Because as an employer in California, you always have to think about compliance and regulatory issues. So that's, I wanted to throw that in there too. So first, the Affordable Care Act is out there. It affects fully insured and self-funded plans. There are some nuances between the two that one has to follow versus the other. But the biggest difference is that self-funded plans are usually governed by ERISA through the DOL versus a fully insured plan would be governed and filed by your state uh, department of insurance. So um, your regulatory or, or governing body is going to be the DOL most of the time in the, in the self-funded world. Specific to California, um, when you're working with a fully insured product, a fully insured product has to be approved and filed in the state that you're that you want to use it in the same thing goes for a stop loss policy as well so while the california department of insurance for instance doesn't regulate self-funding because that's done through dol they do regulate policies in the state so if we were going to attach a stop loss policy in the state of california to a self-funded plan that stop loss policy has to be approved and is somewhat regulated by the state department of insurance so you'll hear things occasionally in California, like SB 161, for instance. It's a law that got put into place a few years ago that essentially dictates the lowest level stop loss policy you could purchase in the state of California. So there are a few nuances to be aware of, but generally, uh, as far as self-funding is concerned, it's all governed by the DOL. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as compliance goes, I know... Uh depending on the employer, I've used and uh, used this to try to present them with the best product out there. Some of which with self-funding, uh, 
some of the uh, participation guidelines don't apply uh, to them versus it's uh, fully insured. I mean, case in point, I had uh, one uh, client that majority of the uh, employees were out of state, and uh, but they were headquartered here in California. And on a fully insured contract, no one touches that case. Um, but in a self-funding uh, contract, really, that's a mood, a mood, mood issue. So, I mean, there's a lot of advantages uh, to it that you can bring options that normally the traditional broker wouldn't be able to bring. And yeah, and they're following, they're following some of the same things over there. So, like, there's no pre-existing conditions that you're going to run yeah. to run into yeah. self-funding. There's still affordability is still absolutely part of it. You're still going yeah. through the 1095 filings. Um, just two totally different governing bodies is what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Jason, what are some misconceptions employers have about self-funding? Some misconceptions are that, um, I mean, the first is that it's partially self-funded, right? Not just self-funded. <laughs> so when they hear self-funded, it's like, well, I know a premature baby in California could cost me half million to a million dollars, no problem. If I'm if I'm the head of a hundred person organization and I know that number and I haven't processed that I'm buying a stop loss policy to make it partial, that's going to be a miscon misconception that I have. Yeah. Um, I think there's also a little bit of misconception about how much in your employees' day-to-day -day health and personal lives you really get. So if, again, I'm managing that same 100-employee group, um, yes, I could find out that it's Susie in accounting and it's her son that has this disease and this is the Rx because there's that much data. But the truth of the matter is we're putting a ton of different firewalls in place in the self-funded world as well. So the employer can stay out of the personal health information as much as possible. And it doesn't change that kind of employer-employee uh, relationship, right? So I'm now no longer talking to you who works for me. And I know you're the guy that costs us a half million dollars a year on the health plan. Um, right. You know, you put those types of safeguards in place uh, to, to avoid that. Perfect. Thank you. Um. As far as uh, thresholds go, I mean, in, keep in line with misconceptions in the market. I mean, typically you hear all kinds of verbiage of when, what group size a, a, an employer should consider self-funding. I mean, what, 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 what do you say to that as far as thresholds go and self-funding? So usually the way I'll back it down is to look at it nationally. 60% of all employer-sponsored healthcare participates in a self-funded environment. So that means that today across the United States, 180 million Americans, most don't even know they're in a self-funded plan, mm -hmm. are getting health care through a self-funded plan. When we describe that to employers, it doesn't mean that six of 10 employers are self-funding, right? We're just talking 60% of the total bodies in healthcare are self-funded. So what we have to do is we have to now break it down by company size. And so if you go to like the Kaiser survey, for instance, they do a really good job of breaking it down. And what you'll find out is that if you're over a thousand employees, it's like 90% plus are self-funded. It is the dominant method. If you're in the 200 employee to 1000, it's like 55%. So more than one in two of your peer groups are self-funded in there. And then we look at zero to 200. And I think the Kaiser survey, the most recent number was 13% of the groups in that population oh. are self-funded as well. So 200 is absolutely the tipping point where 
you got to be looking every single year if you're not already self-funded. Um, and then under 200 and maybe starting in California, about 75 employees and up um, is really kind of where it starts to make a little bit of sense, where there are stop loss options available to you. There are um, products that have been built specific to that actual market segment. So to me, 75 to 200 is where you start asking questions, but you're not going to find tons and tons of self-funding amongst your peers. Um, 200 and up is really where it becomes a game changer. And so our audience can understand this as well. I mean, I spent some time in the East Coast and uh, during my time there, uh, East, the East Coast market uh, and where I was at the DC, Mid-Atlantic area, I mean, self-funding PPO plans, that's, I mean, that's the majority of options that they're, they're looking at out there. But then we go to the West Coast, specifically California, they love uh, capitated contracts out here. Why is that? Well, the birthplace of capitation is what it comes <laughs> down to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, you also are dealing with a much higher level cost of care, typically, on the West Coast. And then, honestly, when you start to really dive into the fully insured products in California, what you'll find out is that the fully insured carriers have rigged the market, so to speak, to make sure that um, you have just enough information to renew that fully insured policy at an 8 to 10% renewal, but not enough information to effectively self-fund on your own. And so what we find is the disparity, especially between California and the rest of the market, is it has to come down to how much data is being provided in your fully insured environment today. So if you go to the state of Texas, there's a reporting law there with two employers or more, you're getting claims data. Um, in other states, they have similar style laws. As you know, Ray, in California, if you don't have 100 employees, you're going to have a really hard time getting any claims data. And even the claims data you're getting on 100 employees is going to be skewed at best. And so what we find is that the existing marketplace that's in California, fully insured, the way they report, yeah. the way they do business, has been the biggest detriment to ability, uh, groups' abilities to effectively self-fund. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, thank you. That's that. Uh, I mean, one of the, uh, I guess, tools I use, uh, obviously, there's the level funded programs that we uh, position in order to even broach a subject to it, uh, to a product and see whether that's a fit. And, and ultimately, um, as a company uh, matures, I guess you can say, um, eventually look at a uh, fully self-funded um, platform. I mean, what, what's your opinions on these low funding products out in the market? So I think there's a lot of room for these markets to exist. Um, take the Cigna level funded one, for instance. Uh, basically, what Cigna did is they said, we're going to pick the administrator of your claims, the PPO network that you use to access. We're going to be your stop loss carrier. We're going to fully integrate a partially self-funded model as Cigna, where we own all the pieces. You then are going to write the check for what that partially self-funded model is. And then at the end of the year, if there's any money left in this reserve, we as Cigna are going to split a portion of that surplus with you. Um, as, a, as a partially self-insured guy that likes doing everything independent, it, it kind of stinks to know that all the products are owned by Cigna, right? Because they've written that entire or designed that entire product, I should say, 
to work together for the outcome of Cigna and not necessarily the employer first. With that said, they've provided a huge benefit to 50 groups, specifically in the 50 to 200 range, where they couldn't move out of fully insured originally into the environment that I like the most because of maybe skewed data. Um, but they set up this nice pathway where you're, you're really self-funding on training wheels, um, getting yourself in a position where maybe after you've been in that product for a year or two years, you say, we're going to complete the transition. So now we're going to have an independent administrator, an independent claims payer, um, and I'm sorry, an independent administrator and an independent PPO network. So that if there is a surplus, we're no longer splitting with a Cigna type, right? It's now all of ours, basically. So I, I, it's an amazing transitional product that has an yeah. absolute must and has an absolute place. In the, it's an amazing transitional product that needs to be in the market and has a, a significant use to the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, you hit around the head as well on that with that product itself. But even going back to the fully insured contracts as well, you want to change a plan or some sort of uh, something within the plan design and fully insured uh, uh, plan option, you have to change the whole thing. Uh, with level funding, same thing. It's obviously in this case, you're using Cigna as the example. If you want to change maybe the TPA or the PBM or the network, well, you got to remove the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and that is the beauty of uh, when you, what I call or coined an un unbundled self-funded option is you basically are, you you're putting all the pieces together. So if you know that your TPA doesn't work or the PBM doesn't work, then you can interchange those parts without having to redo the entire wheel, which often gives a lot of flexibility to the employer. Exactly right. It forces every component vendor to compete for their spot at the table every single year. Exactly. Well, Jason, we, we really appreciate your time as we wrap up here. Uh, tell us a little, who is your target market? Who do you sell to and how do so they find you? I appreciate that. So our, our target market is any employer and their broker that wants to put together a self-funded or partially self-funded plan. We Our smallest group is approximately 32 employees. Our largest group is a little over 10,000. So we've got a pretty significant range in terms of our ability to structure a self-funded plan. Um, and usually it only takes a couple of weeks to put together what something like that would look like. Excellent. And how do they get in touch with you? Uh, easiest way is to email me at jryoungs at osstoploss.com. Great, great. And we'll put that on the screen for our audience to, to see. Uh, we'll put Jason's contact info. And Jason, once again, thank you so much, man. We, we know you're busy, and I'm sure this time of the year <laughs> is especially busy. Yeah. But uh, thanks for taking the time with us today, man. We really appreciate yeah, it. I appreciate it, Jason. You're, uh, as always, a wealth of knowledge in, in, in the self-funding uh, arena. And I would recommend any broker to utilize uh, OneSource uh, for their uh, self-funding uh, packages trying to put together. Thank you both, guys. Appreciate the time today. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of The Insurance House with Mike and Ray. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, please stay uh Take a look at our links or whatnot, visit our sites, uh, make sure to follow us and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you guys.